This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This week in Underdogs, we got the best in the NFL, the worst in the NBA. And the center down under at the Australian Open. The cry goes up both far and near for Underdog. Underdog. Head down going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. You believe in miracles? Yes! George, the dream is alive. Underdog. And I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole fucking thing. Hello, everyone. It's the Underdogs back with you. I'm Jordan Brenner, joined as always by my co-host, Peter Keating. Peter, it's a chilly, snowy day here in the Northeast. How are you holding up? Jordan, I'm doing great. I, as you may know, I've had COVID. I've tested positive. I'm about to escape the basement. This is it. This is it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to take off like it's uh, springtime for Pete. You know, some of our listeners think you may never escape the basement, whether you're sick or not. That's because so is... they see me here all the time, Jordan. That's, yes. you know. Yes, that's basement, what it is. The basement well, is the studio, you, you know. Yes. Well, <laughs> later in the show, we are going to talk about some other teams in the basement of the NBA. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And just how amazing a collection of bad teams we have this year and some interesting things you might not realize about what's going on. And then Peter's got a little bit of a, a, a tennis hot tip for you heading into the Australian Open, which is getting started. But first, we're thick, right in the thick of the NFL playoffs right now. Just finished Super Bowl wild card weekend. We had a pair of slight home underdogs both win. Those would be the Buccaneers and the Texans. And of course, the big one of the weekend, Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers taking down America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Easily the biggest upset of the weekend. They'll head to San Francisco. Peter, what'd you think of these weekend's games? And what are we what are what are we looking at as as we got four underdogs on the docket in the divisional round? Look, Jordan, we noted that we couldn't see a lot of value in the underdog plays, right? But underdogs did do well. And we also noted that Dallas had the kind of very variable performance, particularly on defense, that could make them vulnerable we just didn't see them as being that vulnerable i i i'm still kind of recovering from the fact that dallas got smoked i mean this is a team that played exceptionally well at home um you know green bay is one of those interesting and unusual teams that have taken substantial improvement not just the illusion of momentum and extended it into even better play in the playoffs they they i i think they qualify as a different team than they were, let's say, eight or nine weeks ago. Right. And we talked about that, how momentum may not matter late in the season, but teams do change in terms of young players improving, especially in terms of health. And, and yeah. just look at the Green Bay wide receiver room for an example of how that's coming together at the right time. Green Bay is now a nine and a half point underdog at San Francisco this weekend. You know that I've said the 49ers are the best team in football by a fairly large margin all year. I still feel that way even after they lost to the Ravens. But I think we have divergent takes on this game. 
Green Bay clearly the biggest underdog left in the playoffs. So you think they have a fighting chance to stay in this thing? I I do. Um, and I think that we have to be careful about assuming about our assumptions about number one overall seeds, about teams playing at home and about teams getting some rest. Um, over the past 20 years, number one seeds are just 35% against the spread in the divisional round. And if you lose your last game, and remember the Niners lost, they weren't, they weren't trying hard, but they did lose in week 18 for whatever reason. If you lose, if you're on a one game losing streak and you're a home team in the divisional round, those teams are just three and 15. Okay. Meanwhile, road teams that missed the previous season's playoffs are 68%, 27 and 15. There's kind of a formula there where a rapidly improving young team on the road that's doing well against a team that hasn't played in a while or maybe lost the last game they play, you know, the signals, um, the signals are pretty interesting. I, I yeah, think, I, I, wonder I think there's a trends. much, well, I wonder about I trends like that. Oh, okay. But let's say you line up signals for both teams. Okay. Right. Um, most of these games, in, including Baltimore and Houston, um, including Buffalo and Kansas city are pretty one-sided in which way the signals are flashing in this mm -hmm. game. You can line up all the all the trends and all the signals, and you know it's our job to usually pick through the ones we like and don't like. Trends are pretty even. The signals are really interesting. I think there's more of a, I think the Niners are going to have more of a fight on their hands because Green Bay is definitely going to be able to move the ball. I also think the Niners' defense, particularly their rushing defense, and you know Aaron Jones has been rejuvenated, and the Green Bay running game has been working really well off the passing game, and vice versa. I think Green Bay is going to be able to score in this game, and so. Um, I think, you know, the overs 50 and a half. And I think the teams will probably both score at least 20, 25 points. And I think San Francisco's in for more of a fight than we might think just looking at San Francisco's season long statistics. I'm not sure I agree with you. Um, I mean, Jordan, Jordan Love, that Jordan, 19 touchdowns, not, one not interception me. over the I, last, you know, I, the hear last you. Half I of just the think the Niners are a, a huge step up. Uh, let, I do want to get to the, Green Bay as an underdog in in a bigger picture sense and sort of how they built this team. But real quick first, just a little bit of a, of a betting preview here. So we mentioned that's a nine and a half point spread. The Ravens are nine point favorites against the Texans. Detroit is a six point favorite against the Bucks, And the Bills are three points favorites against the Chiefs. Uh, two things I want to point out real quick. One, I really like the favorites to win outright here. So you can possibly put together some money line parlays. I, I just, I, I have, I have real problems with all these underdogs. And actually, I think the weakest one of them all is the Buccaneers. I love the Lions minus six. I think they'll win more of a touchdown. The Bucks beat a decimated, dead, yep. deflated team in the Eagles. But as as people would say, this is the peak of the market for Tampa. This was te a team that was not very good all season long. Detroit is a massive step up in competition. Tampa Bay's pass defense is not good. Detroit at home can throw the ball all over the yard, and and I, I I don't think Tampa will be able to match them point for point. The other interesting thing you can look at with some of these games is one of my favorite plays, which is a teaser. If you remember, Peter, a teaser is where you combine. It's a type of parlay where you combine at least two games. You get a typical teaser is six points. So, for instance, in a six-point teaser you with the Lions, you would take them from a six-point favorite to pick up, essentially. You would tease the Ravens down from plus nine, sorry, from minus nine to minus three. 
You have to mm-hmm. win both games. Typically, at DraftKings, they offer minus 120 odds for a two-team teaser. I think there's lots of combinations here, whether you're, like I said, seven and three are key numbers and teasers. You could take the Ravens down to a field goal. That's big. Watch the Niners line. You might be able to do the same. And even though I like the Bills to win outright, you could take the Chiefs up to plus nine as well. So think about teasers this weekend. I'm going. Did you, I did you ask me if on. I remembered what a teaser was, Jordan? You 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 described teasers and your daily fantasy strategies to Sarah and me, or where you're betting your teasers, your lines, mm-hmm. uh, in, incessantly. How could I not remember what a teaser is? So thank I'm you for that. I'm used to most people not paying attention to what I say. Hey, that's thank you for that's refreshing us on, but, on the yeah. tease. Yes. Yes. Um, um, you, you know, to jump back for one second. Okay. Green Green Bay's plus three forty on the money line. I mean, that's a 23% chance of winning. Do you think Green Bay has a 23% or less chance of winning? I don't think they have a 23% chance of winning. I think San Francisco, like I said, I look, Dallas moved the ball up and down the field against Green Bay. It's not like Green Bay's defense impressed me that a couple turnovers um, on just fluke bad plays. San Francisco's offense is that much better than Dallas's, more balanced. They've had a, a, two weeks of rest. They're healthy. Um, I, I don't see Green Bay getting stops at all. And I do. San Francisco's defense is is just better than Dallas as well. So I, I, yeah. But Jordan, for most of that game, they were playing with a twenty or thirty point lead. I, I mean, I think they, not, they may have let up a little more than the numbers or even our own eyes indicate. This is the same Green Bay team that led Tommy to, let Tommy DeVito. Lead oh, a, uh, Jordan, that was the last drive that not was that the, long. That ago. was the last time they looked like that Green Bay all season. They're I, also look, the I, only. I just, they're also the only underdog. They're also the only playoff team that won any game this year against another playoff, a team that made the playoffs, being an underdog by a touchdown or more. Only, I'm not only... going to change my opinion on San Francisco now. I believe in them. I think they're the best team in football. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, and I think it starts with a, a relatively easy win against Green Bay. But what interests me, Peter, about I, Green I, Bay— I will, say, I will say I think Baltimore is the best team, and I think Baltimore will be able to move the, the, the ball surprisingly well. Baltimore throws on early downs more often than people think, and I think they're going to be able to do that— um, Oh, the Texans are a pass. They're going to do that with impunity against the, against the, the Texans. Stop the run pretty up. well, but they've been shredded by the pass all year. Um, I think yeah. Lamar Jackson's going to have a field day. But yeah, I Peter, agree with the that. interesting thing about Green Bay, before we move on to terrible basketball teams, is, is, is the way they're rebuilding on the fly. Yes, like, a lot of attention paid, obviously, to the quarterback transition. Clearly, they found another one. The succession from Favre to Rogers to Love is pretty impressive. But as a New York Giants fan who forgets what a good offensive line looks like. Their two starting tackles, offensive tackles, who are doing an excellent job, were a seventh-round pick in the 2022 draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 draft. It goes to show you there is value late in drafts. And I think this is a point we're going to have to talk about at a later date as well as we get closer to the draft. Is there something about the way these these teams develop these players with their office, offensive line coach or what are why is it so hard for some teams to find a good a good offensive lineman and why are the Packers able to find bookend tackles late in the uh, draft two years ago? Sure. Um, to have those picks hit in the seventh and the fourth round, you have to have seventh and fourth round picks. The Packers had thirteen draft picks last year, right? So. This is not just about hitting. It's about stockpiling the draft picks because, Jordan, they were not drafting at the top of the of each round. They were in the middle of each round, right? So their draft, I mean, it's important that they did well in scouting and developing, but to begin with, 
they had all those picks. And also, I mean, if you miss on a seventh round pick, nobody's going to care. But if you hit on one, it's it's enormous value. So the risk reward in stockpiling those later round draft picks is is pretty high. And of course, it's not just the tackles. It's also the, I mean, the receivers. I mean, Jalen Reed and Tavius Wicks, I mean, they hit on them too, which which has been amazing to watch because those are the players who have actually grown into being real top top shelf starters over the second half of the season. Well, you know, one sport where the draft really matters at the top and where there's an amazing battle going on to see who will get the first pick. Well, you think That's it would right. matter. You you'd think it would matter at the top. That's you? right. The NBA. And we'll be back to talk about that, you know, dumpster fire right after this. Underdog. Underdog. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Maybe you think the Celtics aren't so great. Maybe you think minus 200 is not a fair price for them to win the East. Maybe you're looking at an underdog in the West, like Dallas or Minnesota. Either way, hop on the DK Sportsbook app. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LAF. That's code LAF for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Underdog. Underdog. We're back. And if you haven't been paying attention to the NBA much this year because you're a crazy football fan, you are missing out on some historic futility. You probably know that the Detroit Pistons lost 28 straight games at one point, and that they're 4-36. and 36. What you don't know is they're still barely the worst team in the NBA because there are five teams that are historically bad, that are each of them is being outscored by at least nine points per game. The Pistons are 4-36, and 36, the Spurs are 7-32, and 32, the Wizards are 7-32, and 32. The Hornets are 8-29 and 29 and being outscored by the most points. That's 11.8 points per game. And coming in strong, the Portland Trailblazers, losers of four straight, they're 10-29 and 29 and being outscored by 9.8 points per game. Peter, simply put, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything. You're right, like this. Um, there are all kinds of different ways you can try to statistically rank teams by how bad they are. Now, you could just look at how widely they're being outscored. But in an era where there's lots of points being scored per game and, you know, pace goes up and down from year to year, maybe you want to look at something else. But there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can look at 
how many standard deviations worse than average a team is. In other words, given the spread in all teams, how far below that spread are the worst teams? Um, there's no contest. Usually we get a team or two that's a couple of standard deviations below average. You'd expect that. You'd expect 5% of all teams to be about 25 or 30 games worse than average. This year we have four or five. You can also just look at the simple rating system, which basically just looks at a team's scoring margin and adjusts it by a strength of schedule. What's amazing about looking at these bad teams statistically, Jordan, is that when you look at them, different depths of how bad they are begin to emerge. For example, the Pistons have been a little unlucky this year, believe it or not. So have the Spurs. But by simple rating system, the Charlotte Hornets are the worst team by a huge margin. Their simple rating system score is minus, oh, below minus 14. In other words, after adjusting for schedule strength, they're more than 14 points below average. You're getting outscored by more than 14 points. That that's That's on pace to be the very worst mark in NBA history. So you have a batch of teams further below average than have ever been that deep in the hole before in league well, history. It, it certainly makes these guys the ultimate underdogs for our show. They're underdogs every night and <laughs> in, in a massive form. We well, Jordan, I mean, you know, Jordan, you we laugh when you say that, but of the four worst teams, how many are going to be favored in any game the rest of that they that they play the rest of this entire season? I'm not only sure when they play each other. It's right, only when exactly. they play each other. Outside our select group of basement dwellers, I don't think anyone's going to be favored to win any contest, no matter who they're facing, no matter where they're facing them the rest of the entire year. Well, it's also somewhat artificially inflating the top and especially the middle class. I think you've got 17 or 18 teams with winning records right now and another couple that are right on the verge, like the Rockets and the Warriors. So you're going to have winning records making the making the play-in, you know, the, the lower parts of the play-in round. Um, so... Well, what's interesting, though, but, but, but there's no team that has uh, that it's on a pace to win, let's say, 65 or 70 games. Right. In other words, the this it's not a two end. It's not a two tailed duck here that we're talking about. The, the, the horror shows that we're seeing on the bottom are not being matched by uh, super inflated totals at the very, very top. What's happened is, is the kind of. B, the, the bottom has fallen out of the B minus to C minus teams, right? Last year, Portland had the fifth worst record in the league, but they won 33 games. Right. Teams are not anywhere in that neighborhood. So what I'm more, even more interesting than just how historic this is, is why it's happening. Um, I was talking to uh, a former team executive yesterday, and he was saying that the interesting thing is for years, we've been told that the incentives for a top draft pick caused tanking. And tanking causes these terrible teams. However, one, this is a historically bad draft coming up. So mm -hmm. the incentives are lower. Two, there are fewer teams openly tanking right now than we've seen in years. That's just a fact. If you look at the moves teams have made, particularly these. So the incentives aren't there and the and the the um strategy is not there. So Right, you've got the Wizards who just started a reset, but they've made moves like re-signing Kyle Kuzma that you don't do if you're just trying to lose games, adding Tyus Jones. Those are not moves that like the Sam Hinkie 76ers ever would have made, right? Detroit, they, they, they're they building through the draft. They have several high draft picks, Jalen Duran, Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey. They've, they've 
retained a player like Bojan Bogdanovic, again, a type of player who you would trade if you were trying to tank. The Spurs already got their prize in Victor Wembanyama. The, the Blazers just traded Lillard. They're too early in the process to even be tanking because they're still changing that roster, et cetera. So it's, it's, and Charlotte has just been decimated by injuries on a young roster, but it's just, it's like a weird, perfect storm of other things happening to cause these teams to be this bad. Yeah. Usually, you I mean, you'd expect some, some effect somewhere, right? Like it's like, but these are not expansion teams. I mean, some of the, some expansion teams throughout league history have been some of the worst we've ever seen. And they're not, you're right. They're not overtly tanking teams. Some of the worst teams ever as measured by some of these pace adjusted or scoring margin adjusted metrics, like, uh, I think the 2014 or 15 Sixers, 2021 Thunder, maybe an old Mavericks or old Rockets teams. Um, some of those teams obviously were in the throes of tanking, right? These teams feel more like, like, like what's the worst team you've ever seen? The, the, the Bobcats when they finished the season on a 23 game losing streak. And, and that team clearly wasn't tanking because they were something like 13 or 16 games out of next to last place. They were just that bad. Or maybe the, um, you know, the Sixers that won that had that nine game, Nine but that was season. a tanking team. That was a, that was a team that was clearly that was going through the process, right? Like no, no, no. I I, I mean the earlier one, the one in the seventies. Oh, the, the be, earlier. Be, oh, like, yes. be, like I wasn't was, around for that one, Peter. Right. I mean, it was that 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 was just the team that was caught between the Wilt days and the Doctor J days. Yes. If right? anyone remembers the seventy three Sixers, who would like to chime in with comparisons to this group, please let us know. Well, I did that. mention the Bobcats first. Yes. Um. So so, but let me just press you on that just a little though. Okay. How many of these teams? are not destroying themselves in order to get good draft picks, but recovering from being at the, the bottom rung where they sent themselves to try to get, I mean, I think that's happening. I think I mean, that's, that's obviously happening with the Spurs, right? To a limited extent, it might be happening with the Pistons. I don't know. How many, right. The I Spurs mean, tanked many... a little bit to get, to get Wemby, but I don't think the goal is for them now to lose as many as possible. They're just, they've got a young core. They're trying to add to that. I don't think it's like, well, let's, lose you know they're they're bringing when everything's about Wemby at this point okay, charlotte but, hold yeah. on hold on charlotte has sort of refused to tank they've tried to mix young players with veterans and they've sort of been like one of those teams that would be very happy to win 42 games a year and like they just haven't managed themselves well what i was thinking about though is which of these teams might be best positioned to get out of this the quickest and i keep coming back to detroit actually mm -hmm. and here's why okay mm-hmm I mentioned those three or four young players who certainly Kate Cunningham's played very well. Jaden Ivey has not lived up to being a top five pick yet, but is showing some signs. I like Jalen Duren. The biggest thing about that team, even more so after they made this trade with the Wizards the other day, is they've got $60 million in cap space this summer. So if they want to, they're going to be able to go out and try to add some impactful players that can take this team pretty quickly, I think, if the young players seem to progress from a historically bad team to a mediocre team. Okay, so first of all, what was up with the Wizards' side of that trade? I think they may think Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Livers have some ability to contribute as a young team. They're not going to be doing anything in free agency. They're probably rolling the dice on well, that. So, I do so, think it was... So weird. those are the players they're banking on to take them from uh, like a 10 to a 14-win season and in return for that... They've given Detroit 
the flexibility team that, uh, or they've helped I, I'm them not at least saying these get the flexibility well they need to go out and make some moves. Right. There's a reason but, they're at the bottom of the rung to begin with. And, you know, it, it is what it is. They're, they're down below. And, 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 and you know what else is down below or down under? That's right. The Australian Open underway. We'd like to give you a little bit of advice. Maybe you want to bet on the Australian Open. Maybe you just like watching tennis. Peter, study the numbers, and I think he's got a couple interesting picks for you. I got at least one, Jordan. Yeah, I think there's significant value in betting Yannick Sinner, uh, the Italian guy, to win the Australian Open. Right now, he's plus 600. Play is already underway. few reasons. He's seeded fourth, but he has the second highest ELO rating or current performance rating in the world compared, uh, compared to all other players, uh, according to Tennis Abstract, an excellent statistical website. Um, tennis ratings... Traditional tennis ratings are usually a pretty good indicator, as are betting markets, of where players stand. But in some cases, when players are very young and improving very rapidly, um, current performance, their ELO, especially if there's nothing crazy going on with surfaces, is an even better indicator of, of uh, well, of who's playing right now and who has the best odds right now. Uh, I Given the tennis abstract data, he has about a 30% chance of winning this. It's a pretty high number. It's about so a 19. Sinner, of course, is already into the third round. He's yeah, and he's blown dropped, away the he's blown away the opposition. Yep. And he, he's uh, only twenty two. He's a great forehander, but he has the best backhand of anybody in the world. He's improving rapidly. The top spin on his backhand is really something to see. He's an interesting player to watch. There's no comparable so, gap in the betting odds right. among other players, men or women. He also has a great draw. He has the easiest path to the quarterfinals or at least the semifinals. Well, he'll face um, his first seeded player in the third round. That's uh, Sebastian Baez. Uh, I think, believe that is um, Friday, Australia time, but probably was that Thursday here. Yeah, and and his three seeded opponents that are likely to face him in this part of the draw are all actually a little worse on ELO than they are given in their world ratings. They have not been playing great or they're a little older. There's reasons to dislike each of his up -seated, uh, uh, upcoming seeded opponents. Um, so what are uh, the please, odds again, if I want to bet him at this plus point? 600 to win, but let me give you a couple of other things. You can also take Sinner to get eliminated in the finals. In other words, to make it to the finals or probably lose to Djokovic. That's plus 750. And there's an interesting bet on... Wait, wait, wait. It's, it's actually shorter mm -hmm. odds to bet him to win than to lose in the finals? To lose, to get to the finals and lose. Not to be eliminated before the finals, but to lose in that specific round. Interesting. You, you can bet elimination rounds. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's actually only plus 175 to make the semifinals, which is an indication of how good this draw is. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a next-gen special bet on DraftKings where you can bet on uh, Carlos Alcaraz, uh, uh, Sinner, or Holgar Rune to win at plus 160. And if you think... Djokovic is ready to finally be taken down by somebody. That's a kind of an interesting little bet. But I think Sinner's where the value is, and I, I don't see anyone out of line the way his betting odds are on, on either side, like I said, the way he is. Well, I'd rather laugh with the Sinner than cry with the Saints. <laughs> Sinner's just more fun. So on that note, Jordan, him. Jordan, only my good bets die young. Yeah, well, for Billy Joel and Peter Keating, I'm Jordan Brenner. We'll see you next week. Go Pistons. <laughs> <laughs>